0: Thank you.
1: The sun is setting over the small mountain range that the Golden Tree Guild, you all, are residing in at the moment. But the landscape looks a little different. This is several years ago. Walking over a hill, you all see a tall, gray-skinned, gangly, stone giant clearly a younger Darthon wearing fresher clothes bright eyes even as they kind of have that still dreamlike quality and clearly covered with the dirt of a lot of travel and a lot of wear and tear and time on the road and he sees the mountain and on the top of that mountain in the same little section, the same kind of little cavern opening that you guys saw him years and years later is another large figure, a cherubic hill giant who you can even see from here is smiling wide and has a big protruding gut accentuated by the stooped curve of his aged back. They wave at each other and he approaches the mountain. He walks in to the same cave that you guys walked into. After a few moments of awkwardly waiting around, the hill giant shuffles into view. Big, welcoming smile, eyes bright and shining despite their age. The two exchange pleasantries, shake hands, grasp each other as both familiars and strangers. In the background, Darthon notices someone else filling up even more of the cavern than he does. This figure steps forward and you see an even taller female storm giant. The two Spend their days learning from their hill giant mentor of proper care of the bodies to respect all the traditions across the centuries and millennia that are represented here, to all kinds of day-to-day things and just how to live a life here. They grow in their abilities and their knowledge and in their comfort with each other. And one day, their hill giant mentor dies... is sad but it is also solemn and joyful as they inter him among their ancestors Darthon and his partner spend years together enjoying each other's company and falling further in love they walked the catacombs and halls and caves and even forests together and they are happy until one day she didn't come back after hours of waiting Darthon scoured the mountain every nook every cranny ventured days away shirking his responsibilities out of a desire to find his partner but no clear sign ever came And that is when the attack started. And where Darthon's struggles really began. We cut to you all sitting in Darthon's room that, now that you have the context, still has clear signs of this was a room where multiple people had once inhabited. And you're able to rest and recuperate together. And Darthon is just kind of answering your questions in his kind of slow and dreamy way and telling you basically everything that he knows and a little bit about his life. I'm gonna say Selve. You have a, you know, a handful of bread, and it's giant bread, so it's more like a crumb of bread that you've been kind of snacking on absent-mindedly as you're trying to recover and ask these questions and you take a bite and previously it was just a nice crusty simple loaf of bread and in your mouth it tastes moldy and old and stale and disgusting I will try to see if anybody's
2: Watching me at the moment, and then maybe just uh, uh, out
1: into like a napkin or cloth or something. You lean over and you, you know, you dig a little hole and like bury it, you know, <laughs> as you spit it out, and you look up and you now see everyone else in the room. If they are actively eating or holding food or even near food, all the food is spoiled. Everything that is out. And it maybe even occurs to one of you guys to look through your bags. And anything that was not inside of the bag of holding is also spoiled. Trail rations, trail mix, (laughs) everything, every bit of food. Even the water is kind of like, if you smelled it, smells kind of like fetid and old. Darthon... ...looks down... ...and stops mid-sentence... ...whatever he's kind of... ...rambling on about... ...and his eyes... ...open wide... ...and he says... ...the hour is late... ...Rancidity is upon us... ...does this happen... ...regularly? Darthon looks at all of you... ...and just... ...his eyes still wide... ...just shakes his head... ...and essentially says... ...the beast...
3: Tastgrin is very much not trying to hide scraping food out of his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Checkers says in the background, I don't know, I'm not really that upset about it.
4: (laughs) Are we presuming that Darthon has kind of told us everything, where the beast lives? So
1: Darthon still doesn't know. Okay. Darthon would say he never could figure out what happened that day to his partner, but also couldn't figure out where this creature lived, if it was one creature, which, again, is the running theory, Mm -hmm. but you guys will have to aid him in his search to try and find its lair and slay it before it is too late, before the sun goes down and the creature returns to stalk prey once more.
4: How do we find a creature made of blood and a second creature made of bones that is potentially a third new
3: creature we don't know about. And Kaskrin will kind of set down the pack a little bit that he's been holding on to as we're all I imagine sitting around this fire resting up a bit. And he's going to peer out into the cavern further beyond using his dark vision and try to see is there anything about the cave that has changed over the last few minutes? Give me a perception check.
1: That is a 23. It looks exactly the same in here. All the battle scars, all the broken sarcophagi, the multiple stalagmites and stalactites that have been destroyed as you guys were fighting this creature are still there. But the sense that you get is that there is a darkness. And you realize that it's literal, that the torches don't appear to be burning as bright as they were. The light emanating off of them doesn't travel as far as it did. And if you hadn't rolled so high, you wouldn't know if it was real or fake, but you, you can just tell. You'd, something is wrong.
4: Val would like to try to put some pieces together mm-hmm. of what creature this could be. That Definitely. is two other creatures of blood and bone, and try to really run through her mind palace. Maybe take a quick nap. Be like Valkyrie, what's up?
1: <laughs> roll me a, and this goes for anyone. You can roll a religion or a history check.
4: I'll go. Does anyone else have religion? I figured not. Um, guidance.
2: Yep. Sure. I guess I'll take history since both my religion and history are the same. Great. Same.
1: Absolutely. You can also, you know what? I'll be extra generous. You can also take a D4 because I'm imagining that Val is, like, sitting down and, like, studying a little book and just, like, praying and then sees you also pondering. Is like, bless you. (laughs) (laughs) May one of us find the knowledge. Exactly. 24. 14 for history. You both learn a little bit of information, especially once Val explains what she remembers and figures out you recognized the creature outside and you you recognize that ah this is a creature that kind of haunts these sort of places and and preys on those nearby a graveyard gravesite the other construct of bone is a little bit hazier but who knows like it's a pile of bones i don't know just it could be a lot of things but you're really struggling to make the connection like you said it's like is it one monster's three monsters. Is it what? Okay, what's the deal? It occurs to you as you catch maybe a, a faint whiff of moldy cheese <laughs> that has not been, you know, that kind of got chucked out in the hallway, maybe, that a lot of the things that you are experiencing are things that happen when a particularly powerful mummy. Manifests. Oh. You're still not sure about the connection between the two monsters and this mummy. Your best guess is that maybe it controlled them or put some of its power into them or something. But you definitely notice these effects started shortly after you killed both of the monsters. So there is a connection there of some sort. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know you probably know a few things about mummies but we'll get to that mm-hmm. when it becomes relevant. Casgrim looks around at all
3: of these sarcophagi around here and just like a oh, mummy. <laughs> oh no as like there're just hands out to hundreds of these sarcophagi.
1: <laughs> I guess I should I should ask. Sophie, how would Val deliver this information, this <laughs> news <laughs> to her fellow guilders. Um, In I th- song. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
4: I think Val would, knowing where we are, sit folks down to be like, hey, I don't want to alarm anyone. I think I might know or have a theory as to what's causing this. It may make our current surroundings seem a little bit more spooky, but we are guilders and we can handle it.
1: Boy, this has got to be the worst news any of the three of you have ever encountered. A vowel really having to preface the sharing of knowledge with a pep talk.
4: <laughs> I think we're dealing with a mummy and one of significant power.
1: Self, since you also rolled it decently. You know that mummy layers, especially one that has gone undiscovered by someone who has lived here by himself for years, are always secret little areas and sections and are always somewhere connected to kind of the main, main thoroughfare, so to speak, but are often sealed off or obfuscated or are secret passageways that sort of thing so you would actually probably know that their lair is hidden but it's probably not too far away in terms of the kind of spokes of the wheel and the spider web of these catacombs is it's probably off a catacomb or off this main chamber or something but Clearly will. So
2: what you're telling me is the mummy is trying to keep its lair under wraps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, Steve. Yes, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh,
2: Just want to make sure I understand. Mm-hmm. Selv will share that with the group. So we're looking for someplace probably not too far and hidden.
3: Well, what do mummies look like? If any of these were a mummy, would we know?
4: Typically... It's a ritual burial process that involves preparing the body and preserving it. It depends on the culture that mummified the body. But typically there's some type of garment or wrappings over what would have been their skin and muscles. And then a skeleton like these. And then Val will, like, start just going off, like, not realizing (laughs) that she is just, like, started on a trail of, like, (laughs) all of the things she knows about mummies and the differences between all of the undead. And, like, we'll just keep going until somebody redirects her attention.
3: Val, is there something about mummies or something that maybe, like, caused one to become an undead, like... I know that this area is a sacred place. Is there some sort of any signs of desecration or? And Casperin like waves his (laughs) hand, magical wrongdoing. (laughs) You know that yeah, the the thing yeah, the stuff yeah that might cause this.
4: If this mummy was placed here, or its purpose was to guard this place and not just a burial ritual. If an event did happen, that could trigger its reanimation, its awakening to serve its guardian purpose. Jonathan, did you tell us that you saw the missing bones from the Holy Promethean?
1: Yeah, I would have told you. Okay.
4: Val does the mental math with what Darthon says. Was that...
1: No, that was after. Part of the deal was that Darthon, one of the many reasons he was feeling very guilty was because after his partner disappeared and after these attacks started happening, things started slipping, Mm. you know, and things like that, where like that is one of the worst things that he could ever imagine letting happen on his watch, and it did was that someone stole a corpse out of this place, and that should never have happened and would not have happened in normal circumstances, so it was afterwards and kind of like a symptom of it Darthon, you said
3: you've tried to find this creature before. Can you tell us a little bit about where you've searched?
1: Darthon would say he's, he has walked every inch of the tunnel. He's tried to look at walls to examine whether there were imperfections. Like he hasn't looked inside of every grave or anything like that, but he has scoured this mountain with the intent of looking both for his partner and if there's any clues about where these creatures, or creature or whatever, he wasn't sure, might have been hiding.
3: Do you think that you can search around here a little bit, self, with your tremorsense? Maybe we can see underneath where this bone creature came out of. I can try.
4: Val will start ritually casting Detect Magic.
1: How long can you keep that up, and can you point it in different directions?
4: I can keep it up for 10 minutes and 30 feet. Uh, you sense the presence of magic within 30 feet of you. So Val will we'll just like be doing some laps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right on. So after a few minutes up, she'll, as she's like wandering around looking for detect magic, ask Darthon if he knows anything about one, what his partner was doing the day she disappeared and two, Who was potentially the first giant buried here? Like, what was the origins of the place? Could that lead us to who the mummy is?
1: Yeah. And briefly, he would essentially tell you that he doesn't barely even remembers because it was so mundane. They had gone about doing whatever various chores they were doing that day. And that she had gone in some direction to go get supplies or food. Again, this is he. Darthon is more specific than Nathan is being right now. But it was just kind of yep. They went their separate ways doing their things for a couple hours um, because sometimes distance is important when you're in a relationship with someone. But he also is happy to regale you with the the centuries, if not millennia, <laughs> of history. And this all was when the giants, of course, were much more prominent here and had their own kingdom and blah blah blah, and kind of go on and on about the details, etc. Unless anyone has any questions, how about we roll some skill checks? If you are spending any resources on this, say a Detect Magic, you can have advantage on the skill check. Everyone is rolling against the same DC. You can use whatever skill you deem is appropriate for whatever it is that you are doing. I will take the total number of hours that you possibly could be searching and for every success, knock an hour off of it. Um, So the more successes you have, the faster you'll find it. But, you know, you can probably, maybe, hopefully, unless there's catastrophic failure, we'll be able to find it at some point today. Maybe. As long as you don't fuck it up.
2: I'm thinking for the uh, patient badger listens for the tremor sense. It actually, it only lasts a minute. Mm -hmm. And this is an enormous chamber. Yeah. So if we could, before I do that, if we can narrow down the area to say, like, you know,
1: this section of it. So let's put it this way. We'll have the other three roll first. And then if... We have two successes on those three. You can have advantage on yours because you'll have, like, narrowed it down with your tremor sensing. Does that seem reasonable? Okay, sure. Who would like to go first, and what are you using? castgren would like to use perception, and he's just looking around.
3: Okay, yeah, absolutely. He's mostly looking for, like, changes in the rock or the, the dirt or, like, anything around our surroundings.
1: Uh, well, I was going to say, yeah. in that case... Also have advantage, because you are are also, if you're looking at the earth and trying to find those kind of imperfections and that sort of thing, absolutely take advantage.
3: Cool. Yeah, because, like, so much of this place is carved to be, like, perfect in art. And, like, I'm trying to find stuff that's been destroyed or what have you. Yeah. That is a 22. Ding. Okay. I will address that as it comes up. So, Checkers is going to use Survival. Absolutely, and this is more around just tracking to see if there are any footprints. Is not viable at this point because there's just been so much foot traffic. But trying to see if there's anything left behind by any of the creatures that have attacked.
4: Um, I don't know. If this would be survival, but you know, like when you're hypothetically in a cave and you hold up like a match to one corridor or the yeah. other, yeah, yeah, like yeah. what are the, like the airflow patterns? Oh yeah, just yeah, thinking
3: about cool. cool. that. Cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, so like checkers will grab a torch and just kind of look at it and be like.
4: Air, air. air, air. Okay. I'm Checkers, Mango, and Junior. They're all actually just like have their tongues like flicking out <laughs> to like taste the air and like the wind patterns.
2: Junior's holding a match. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Checkers has like a torch. Yeah, and then like Mango has got like some a kind giant of, log. Yeah, a yeah. like, <laughs> log that's got, like lit on one end.
3: Twenty-two for survival.
1: Another twenty-two. Well, wow. spoiler alert. That worked. Nice.
3: <laughs> hey. Val he found something. Well Mango found something. It might have been Junior. I don't know, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I found something. Nice.
4: Val will be using Arcana mm-hmm. as she is detecting magic.
1: Awesome. And take advantage. Thirteen. Unfortunately, it's just that like you're just searching around and searching and you do find magic every once in a while, but you find like magic items. Like mm-hmm. some of these giants are like buried with giant spears that are magical i don't think i've seen val roll less than like a 20 on a skill <laughs> check for like
4: well one of those is a natural one uh... <laughs> you all distracted val with asking questions about mummies she was really like going into her mind palace while she should have been concentrating on detect magic
1: <laughs> <laughs> too many questions too many trying to do too much mm-hmm. story of valestra carter's life unfortunately And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D anD D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known twenty golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Ta'ir. Can the gang find Ta'ir, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed Goblin Gunslinger. Hey
3: everyone, Jonathan here with the mid-roll. If you're looking for the hottest frog memes around, join the Reckless Attack community on Discord. You can find a link to it in the show notes of our latest episodes or on our website, recklessattack.com. Want to support the show? Tell a friend, or check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash recklessattack, where you can get access to our behind-the-screen talkback show as well as our new Reckless Snack series, where we eat snacks, hang out, and just talk about whatever's on our mind. Thanks so much for listening to us, and we hope you enjoy the rest of the episode.
1: So Val is just looking all over the place. And again, there's so much distraction, so much going on, so much input that you're not able to really narrow it down. But checkers, you do the match trick. Yeah. basically what stands out is that the air is not flowing in a sure. particular direction that it should be. Mm-hmm. We're like, hold on. Based off of the weather patterns and the way that wind blows, the wind should be creating a wind tunnel that blows here to here. But because of that, it's hmm. that's interesting. Let's check down that way.
3: I love that you think Checkers has put that much thought into this. That's
1: the that's the that's the the abstraction. Yes. Is that like, hmm, should be wind over there. Like Checkers is able to do
2: it,
3: but can't tell you why. Yeah, he, right. It's a, a why he can't
4: he, show you his work. Yeah. He right. just got the number.
3: Right. He <laughs> just
1: he just knows what's right.
3: He just yells from over a corner like, it's weird over here, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Right,
1: right. That but that yeah, is the weird. that is the human. Us normal way mm-hmm. that we can conceive <laughs> of the machinations right. that go on in Checkers' mm-hmm. mind.
3: This is the the glimpse of genius that you can see from there. The prodigy, yeah, that exactly. Understand.
1: And Cast, you've been looking all over these tunnels and just kind of admiring the work. And the closer you get, and the more you spend with it, the more impactful it is. Mm-hmm. It is just down to the minute detail. Everything is perfect. Everything is beautiful. There's no shortcuts. It's all perfect. And you hear checkers say, I don't know, it's weird over here. (laughs) (laughs) And so you kind of, you know, you make your way over in that direction and you just kind of start looking, start trying to take in as much as possible. And it is almost like in a similar sense to when you walked in. And you looked at the cave walls and you asked, like, oh, were these carved or were they are they natural? And you realize, like, oh, they made this and it is immaculate. There is just a stretch where you're looking around and you're like, this is even more perfect. We're like someone did this perfectly in a different way than someone else did it perfectly. Oh, where there's like a style difference. In just a stretch where it makes no sense. Because obviously there's, this is the work of untold generations mm-hmm. of craftsmen. But there's just a section where, like, maybe just, I don't know, someone took a month off <laughs> and someone else took over. But, like, that's weird. That stands out.
3: It's like someone did, like, a painting restoration but did too good of a job mm-hmm. at it. And now it's, like, a certain section is, like, really high def for some reason. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's not even that they did too good a job. It's just that their perfect version is different. You know, where it's like two masters approaching the same painting differently. Because of your kind of keen eye for detail, it's like, oh, no, uh, Rembrandt didn't paint this. Uh, some other famous artist <laughs> did. <laughs> kind of aspect to it. Gotcha. So you're able to call Selv over, basically. And Selv,
3: it's weird over here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hearing that.
1: <laughs> and... Everyone I'm imagining kind of gathers over here, Darthon included. And yeah, he's also kind of like rubbing his like finger over, you know, his thumb over the spot that's a little different. Kind of looking at it in a different way. That was my question was if he touches it, his hand does not
2: go through. No. Like it's an illusion. No. It's just a different artist.
1: Correct. Okay. Self. Because the rest of your party was able to narrow down your search, you can now use your tremor sense, spend your key points, and get advantage on this very important skill check.
4: Guidance.
3: You know what, I'll
2: allow
1: that, because (laughs) it is in this moment.
3: I guess
2: the question is then, what skill does that translate to?
1: That's a good question, dear player. Maybe a perception or investigation
3: investigation I think cuz you're you know what you're looking for. That's true. Mm.
1: Insight
2: okay. maybe? No. <laughs>
4: Reading the situation. Okay,
2: so. <laughs> out of out of all of those, investigation is my lowest. <laughs> so that's obviously what we're going to go with. Yeah, right on. All right. So with the guidance and advantage.
1: 20 total. Wow. Ooh. Nice. So so what is it what does this look like as your again, this is just part of a catacomb. Where it is just like all the other catacombs you walk down, there are alcoves, there are just stacks of bones, there are dim torchlights, but there is this section that probably to you looks no different. Than any other section. It is just Kaskrin and Darthon are just like, hmm, it's really interesting. That's you, you just you, know, you see that, right? And of course they're not speaking the slang language, mm-hmm. but Darthon's like, hmm. Oh, 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 oh.
4: There is a language uh, of stone.
1: Yes. That exactly. both Kaskrin
4: and Darthon speak. Rock and stone. Val does not need to
1: translate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so there are the pure craftsmanship of the carvings that are on the uh, mm-hmm. on this particular wall are so good that when Selv was kind of running his hands over them and found a couple of imperfections, that's what stood out. So maybe a portion of it is raised a little bit more than the other portions of it or is indented a little bit more. Maybe there's one section that's raised up. And so Selv kind of puts his hands on both those pieces and pushes and something gives and clicks and then you see self just kind of looks around like is it an axe coming down is the floor <laughs> about to drop out or is the door just going to open
1: i love that there is a click it goes in a little and then it keeps and it keeps going gliding in a way that again you mentioned it earlier Kaskrin when you came through the doorway the first time where is it magic Is it engineering? Is it both? Who knows? But goddamn, someone did a good job with this (laughs) weird door. (laughs) And it keeps sliding backwards. And there's that classic kind of Indiana Jones, like, you know, kind of like Mm -hmm. scraping of rock. Exactly. And it swings this Massive door. And you don't need like self, you did not push this very hard. You gave it kind of a light shove, but it was so perfectly balanced that you just swung open.
3: Kaskrin looks up at Darthon and says,
1: Did you know that was there? And he looks at you ununderstanding, but perfectly understanding, and just shakes his head and looks, kind of peers down. And Checkers holds out his hand for a high five. High five, Selv.
3: Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, to <laughs> whom? <laughs> Darthon so, will Selv, give you a high five. Yeah. Selv
2: <shhh> will hold hold down his hand to checkers for the high five. Yeah. Self will ask, Any idea who is buried down this area?
1: Darthon would tell you he never knew this existed. Never once got told about it, realized it was here, sensed it was here. Nothing. And you guys look and there is no torches lit anywhere. But those of you with dark vision which is again I think just just cast. Just cast I card. have
3: to bring it up like by D and D rules that every time it happens, like yes I have dark vision. It is vision. one of the well, few times um, where
1: it is like yeah. <laughs> who has it? Oh, only you.
4: And Mango. And right? Mango. And That's Junior. true.
1: And Junior. <laughs> <laughs> well, the three of you and Darthon. Two out of three frogs yeah. agree. I was going to say. Just,
3: it's just Mango and then Casquin riding on Mango and then Junior on his head, and we're all just going and down. And then Darthon
1: riding <laughs> yeah. on top of all three of you. Yeah. Uh, but the four of you, because Darthon also has dark vision, can see down this just square hallway. And it is, there are things in it, all covered in cobwebs. And dust, and even partially buried from years of being underground, but seemingly not very disturbed. Casgren, you see, and probably Mango would <laughs> s- somehow psychically communicate mm-hmm. to checkers. We speak case. frog, it's a frog's <laughs> <laughs> That what you are seeing covered with all this dust and cobweb, and again, very Indiana Jonesy feeling, is treasure. Is that there are piles of gold, of art, of statues and sculptures and trinkets and gems all over the place, leading as far back as your dark vision goes.
3: Before we go in, do either of the auras of like the darkness or the rancidity, like? Increase at all?
1: Yeah. There is that moment you get, you're looking in and just kind of taking in what you're seeing. And there's this rush of wind that hits and kind of kicks up this old musty smell, but also that smell of decay. And all of the torches in the hallway just get even more diminished in their reach. Do you guys go in? No. What kind of crazy question is that? I don't know. Do we go? Just yeah, just just checking.
4: Val would like to remind folks, as they probably stop paying attention to her impromptu speech about mummies, Mm -hmm. is that even if a mummy did not come back to life, they're highly magical and are surrounded by treasure. So there is most likely other defenses for the treasure. And to protect the body of the mummy.
1: And I'm not gonna make you re-roll on this because you rolled so well on your your religion check. All of that treasure, the second the Cascran reports back, and or Mango. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know who you're getting your info from. Yeah. Every ounce of that gold and of those gems and of that art, is cursed. If you take it, you are cursed. There are a lot of kinds of curses in this magical world. Mummy curses are no good. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of versions of mummy curses. None of them are nice kinds of curses. Yes, They're all pretty horrible. So there's none of that. This is kind of cool. lightly cursed. Uh, <laughs> no, thing here, checker. No, it's Just not. Here. It's not that fun. Like, hoo hoo That's key. That's a, what a kooky thing that this magical item makes you uh, say the word. But sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> no, it's well, a it, serious it, game.
1: It, it, serious. Monsters. It might.
2: It might be that, but it also wastes you away and right. removes <laughs> one Constitution point per day until you die, and then rises a mummy, or you know that type of thing.
3: Well, Val, you know what the best way to deal with a mummy is. And Checker just holds up the bag of beans. And now they're mummy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: eh?
3: No. Eh? Oh,
1: all right. Let's,
0: let, let's make that plan
1: D. All right. All right. All right. You, you get a pyramid with a mummy inside. And you introduce mm. the new mummy to the pyramid and the other mummy. Right. We give them a new home. Yeah. Exactly. They don't have to live here anymore.
3: <laughs> he just needed a friend.
1: So ah. do you enter? <laughs>
4: Uh, we enter checking for traps. Yeah, Caspian will check for traps first. Looking for a path through the treasure so we don't touch cursed treasure.
1: So as you proceed down this unlit hall, and I don't know, are you guys lighting torches?
4: Val's going to cast light.
1: And
2: when Val casts light, is it dimmed like the torches were
1: or is it actual like it's full? The light seems to be full. It okay. is just the torchlight and the fires, fire based lights that are affected. You proceed. The hall winds in not a full maze, but it doubles back on itself, but always in a single direction. And, checkers, ugh, you know, you really thought when you were going to be an adventurer that, man there'd be some challenge in it,
0: you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yeah. There are traps. Of course there's pressure plates. There are stalactites that are rigged to fall and explode and all this. And there's, you know, there's that wall of spears mm-hmm. that go by, but like you see all of them. Nice. You, you <laughs> catch all of them. I rolled very badly on all the, <laughs> <laughs> all the traps and I was like, I'm going to roll for these. I rolled, I forgot to roll for one. But I was like, I'll roll for these before the session, just so that I have them. And that feels nicer than just setting a DC or whatever, Uh especially with passive perception. And Checkers sees everything and, like, tells everyone how to sidestep the giant swinging, uh, you know, axe (laughs) that comes down exactly. And, oh, it's one of those fire-breathing time puzzles that, like, oh, we just gotta gotta time it just right, and, you know, you guys are swinging across caverns uh, with one single rope, or it's, no, none of that, but...
3: Halfway through, there's just a piece of paper on the ground, and there's just, like, a word scramble on it. (laughs) Yep, yep. Checker says, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Well, especially you, I know how you get. No. There's a parchment
1: with Sudoku. Yeah. Yeah. And Darthon is also behind you, and just kind of surprisingly light on his feet for being a giant creature and also he has his giant club that is also has light cast on it and is just kind of holding it aloft out of nowhere you hear a slam a bunch of dust is kicked up you are all coughing Darthon included it is just this huge cloud of of dust and you are looking around and as the dust clears and your eyes kind of clear of the dust you look around and you look behind you and there's a wall.
3: Hmm. Didn't see that one.
1: <laughs> and then you look in front of you and where there where there was more hallway, there is no more hallway. You are in a relatively small room that it appeared out of nowhere as far as you are concerned. And it is alien, but unmistakable. There are rows of large-sized, crumbling rock pews, and up front, there is what appears to be an altar of some sort, but an altar that is also maybe a, as you look closer, sarcophagus. But it is a simple and humble place it seems and there is silence because you all are inside of a mountain who knows how deep who knows how isolated from the outside world with nothing but hundreds of feet of rock between you and the outside world but the silence is broken.
0: <laughs> you have entered my domain. You would have made an excellent feast, but you bested my pets. And yet, Here you are, serving yourselves up for us.
1: And from out of the sarcophagus, pushing aside the kind of stone top so that it slides off, you see a head float up that clearly has dried skin, eyeless, bare teeth. This creature floats above the sarcophagus and says,
0: In life, I was known as Nal'Grog the Warlord. I found calling As Nalgrog the Dreamer. Caring for this place. But it has gone to disarray. This place is corrupted. And I shall bring order. I shall bring sanctity back. Using you... As my fuel and vessels. Just like her.
1: And from out of the sarcophagus, an emaciated figure stands up. It is Darthon's partner. She is wearing a tattered version of her dress, She is emaciated, her skin is stretched thin, and she stands up and has this vacant look on her face. From this distance, you can't even tell, is she alive? Is she undead? Is there something else? And you see the woman step out of the sarcophagus and start walking towards you all. And as she does, some of the bones from across the room start to gather onto her, and pile on and pile on as if it is becoming a construct of armor as she starts to walk towards you. And the floating, desiccated head erupts in fire
0: and says, Now, time to feast. And that's where we'll leave it for
1: next week. See you then, everyone. Yay! Uh,
2: Whoa, I I thought it was going to be bad. (laughs)
3: few
1: mic tests I want
4: to run first? Just
1: mm-hmm. Testing. I think it's my goal. <laughs> Sorry, I just... My goal. <laughs> this is the marshmallow episode. <laughs>
3: <laughs> is to get it so that it is pointing um, num, num, to your <laughs> <laughs> next to your, your mouth <laughs> like holy, fuck. That. <laughs> holy fuck holy <laughs> fuck our next April Fools episode it's like our joke is it's entirely unlistenable because I was eating the whole time wow <laughs> no I've discovered my love for peanuts I'd yeah, like right. to
1: I'd like to throw up that that is an X card for just all of it for Nathan no thanks I won't I <laughs> we recorded it but we can't release it you guys uh-huh. uh, it's, it's I wouldn't cursed. even record I, I couldn't have my headphones <laughs> in. Uh-uh. I don't know. Even depending on what you're reading, I don't know that I could even be in the same room depending on how loud you were chewing. <laughs> Our thank Patreon you.
2: Content is uncontentable. Right. <laughs>